Welcome to the Daily Decision Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to men, men who are tired of chasing and finding emptiness, men who want to find true fulfillment in everything they do. In this podcast, you will learn to achieve success in the key areas of your life, physically, emotionally, in family, and in business. Remember, it all starts with a decision. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Daily Decision. I'm your host, Michael Chabot. Today we have the great honor of having Dr. Oren Ken. Dr. Oren has a private practice in Southern California where he provides therapy to men, women, couples, and athletes. He is a general practitioner with specialties in men's issues, relationships, and sports psychology. Dr. Oren is, a lic- is licensed as a psychologist in California. He received a PhD in counseling psychology from USC and also did his clinical training at USC. As a professor in the clinical psychology doctoral program at Phillips Graduate Institute, he trained doctoral students about the theory and practice of therapy. With his wife, Dora Chase Oren, PhD, he co-edited Counseling Fathers, a book about the strengths and challenges of fathers and how therapists can help them. He has written numerous articles and book chapters on effective counseling, therapy with men, and counseling fathers, and he has presented at local and national conferences. Guys, help me in welcoming Dr. Oren Ken. Okay, Dr. Oren. Psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist, counselor, life coach, psychotherapist, what's the difference? First of all, Michael, thank you for uh, having me on your show. Uh, it's quite an honor. I would listen to your podcast and uh, really respect and appreciate the resiliency that you uh, went through and your ability to make decision to uh, transform your life and look at opportunity from uh, the tragedy that you had. So really respect what you're doing and I hope you can uh, continue helping some of your audience. Thank you for having me here today. Well, thank you. It's it's an honor and pleasure to have you. I know that uh, my listeners today will definitely gain some knowledge and some strength from what you have to say. So so tell us, because we see life coaches, we see counselors, we see therapists, we see all these initials. What is it? MFCC, psychiatrist, psychologist, psychotherapist. What's the difference? That's a good question. A lot of uh, people confuse. Uh, therapist is uh, kind of an umbrella to everyone who do therapy, and counselors is even a little broader. Uh, psychologists are... Uh, individual that were trained to do in, in the field of psychology, they have to be a PhD. And as a definition of psychology, you have to be licensed in the state. Got so it. you have to go to specific training and be licensed. Uh, MFT is marriage and family therapist. They have a master's degree in marriage and family or anything, and or master's degree that relates to doing therapy or counseling. And they have to be licensed as well in the state. Uh, coaches, then there's no license required, and you can gain. Now there's more, um, there's more drive toward getting some certification and expertise. But basically, coaches, everyone can be a coach. You do not regulated by any governing body. Um, I see it. Oh, psychiatrists. That's a really important uh, distinction as well. Psychiatrists are medical doctors that uh, went through all their medical training and then their specialty was in psychiatry and psychology. Psychiatrists usually provide medication, whereas psychologists don't provide medication. But uh, now there is also, I don't want to get into it, but now there's also a 
some psychologists that uh, want to be trained and can get uh, medication privileges as well. Mm. Uh, but overall, I think as far as people that do therapy, I have psychologists and uh, uh, master's level uh, therapists can do therapy, private practice type of therapy. Um, it is important to know to choose the right one, but that's, that's a whole different story for now. Yeah. So thank you for that. And, and, you know, right now, obviously, while we're recording this, we're going through a very challenging time in our world. And um, I would imagine that your skills, your training, your expertise is helping a lot of people who need it. And before we started recording, we were talking about a term that not so much that you coined, but that you use that I love. And I've talked about it before, which is emotional discomfort, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on. Um, so if you don't mind, let's just roll up our sleeves and, and jump right in. Um, just right off the bat, give your definition of what you, what, what you say emotional discomfort is. You know, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, I think uh, maybe we do a little bit of context for emotional discomfort and talk about it for a second. Um, before we go there, Michael, I think I uh, appreciate you having me in this particular time. Uh, coronavirus or COVID-19, uh, ever people want to, whatever term people use, uh, really creates a lot of emotional discomfort for everyone around us. Uh, there's a study that just came out that I saw that over 50% of Americans experience some anxiety or mental health issue, whereas in China, it showed closer to 80%. So in some way or another, um, it really, really affects everyone in our, everyone it is uh, I think that um, the number 50% is probably lower than what uh, really people are experiencing. And when I think about it, you can look at it psychologically, you can think about it in different ways. But if you think about social isolation, that's, that's really a big part of what triggers depression in people. Mm. And when you think about uncertainty and lack of control, really triggers anxiety in a lot of people. So right now we're in a situation that can trigger and elicit uh, anxiety and depression, a lot of people, and it requires a big adjustment for us, especially where I still believe we are in the, if you think about what's going on right now is that it's a crisis, kind of almost like a it's a global disaster that people are experiencing. And within this context, we're probably still in the first phase of shock. I think people maybe just start starting to get more used to the situation and um, move maybe into a different stage. Uh, but the shock really, was very hard. I think uh, there was a lot of denial, a lot of bargaining initially. Everyone thought, a lot of people thought that happened in China, it may not happen in the US. And all of a sudden, it hit everyone like a brick. And that's very common for us to experience when we experience types of losses or trauma in our lives. So if we want to talk about emotional discomfort as it relates to what's going on right here, I think we really need to start by talking about what are our feelings, what are emotions. So if, Michael, what, just, just to play with it a little bit, um, how would you define emotions or feelings? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I guess it's, it's the, the things that uh, you feel within your body. Um, you know, um, when, you, when you feel in love with somebody, you feel warmth, you feel excitement. When you're, when you're fearful, you, you feel it, you know, in your stomach, you feel tightness in your body. Um, 
you know, when you feel sadness, I think you feel that tightness, you know, obviously you cry, you, you shed tears. Um, I guess that's how I would explain it. Dude, you're right on. You're right on. I'm sure you probably had to experience some of that in your journey. Um, so when we talk about emotions, and I give a lot of credit to my mentor that trained me, Dr. John Rosenberg, and if anyone is interested, she has a really good TED talk on uh, emotions and feelings that uh, your audience can view if they choose to. Um, so some of what I'm talking about, it was part of the training I received, and then I kind of took it in my direction. Um, yeah, I think emotions or feelings is our bodily physiological response to triggers that happens around us. So from that perspective, we all feel and we feel all the time. You know, um, kind of like you started going there, but if I ask you, I'll ask the audience, um, what do you feel? What, what do you feel or where do you feel in your body sadness? Mm. My chest, mostly. Your chest. Yeah, chest, Good. abdomen Good. area. Yeah. And what do you feel in your chest and abdomen area? Mm. I think when you feel sadness, you feel a, a tightening. Everything feels constricted. Good. Good. And I would encourage uh, your audience to also think to themselves as we talk about it and see where they experience sadness themselves and just roll with it a little bit learn about your body because it's very important to learn about our body if we want to take care of ourselves um what about anger mm. anger is is uh anger i think i feel more in my in the pit of my stomach you know kind of it it starts from there and moves up like a chimney <laughs> you know yeah yeah Good, Jimmy. Yeah, it's a pretty strong, intense experience. Yeah. And happiness? Happiness, I, it's funny. I feel happiness in my face first, I guess, because of the smile, right? I feel it kind of radiate from here and then moves into the rest of my body, down my chest, into my stomach. Yeah. Okay, good, good. And I'll ask a question specific to you. Hope. Where do you feel hope? In my heart. Heart. And what heart. do you feel in your heart? Energy, just this positive energy that radiates. Like as you ask me the question, as I'm talking about it, I feel chills, you know, in my body. Yeah. Nice, good, good. So, if you, so if you can see in the audience can hear, we feel different feelings in different parts of our bodies. Mm. And many people think that some feelings are good and some people some feelings are bad. I, especially our guys but everyone trying to socialize that feelings that are not comfortable like anger or sadness are bad feelings or mm. negative feelings some people call it and feelings are like happiness are good feelings or positive feelings feelings are normal they just happen because as we define it they're just triggered a physiological response in our body i feel all the time so i think it's really important to make the distinction that feeling can be comfortable and uncomfortable they can be pleasant or unpleasant, but not necessarily good or bad. And I think just starting thinking about it in that way can help us avoid less of what we feel and go straight into rationalizing those feelings and thinking about it and allow ourselves to feel and understand that when you check your body and you learn what um, uh, 
uh, what are you feeling your body? What are the triggers that facilitate uh, certain feelings? You create a roadmap that helps you kind of understand your emotional experience. So if you think about you have the initial shock for about, I started hearing about, and I just, the flu and people are starting to die. What do we experience in our body? What kind of feeling? What did we feel? Was it anger? Was it sadness? Was it fear? Was it anxiety? Um, by understanding and realizing and identifying what we're feeling, we can start. We can start better finding a way to work emotional experience. Yeah. All right, guys, sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties there. Everybody using Zoom, so it's over, overloading their bandwidth a little bit. But uh, Dr. Oren, you were, you were in the middle of kind of breaking down emotional discomfort. And I think what you were saying was, you know, you were leading into when people start dying from the flu or illnesses like COVID-19, we start to feel fe uh, fearful, we start to feel panic. Um, I know some of my friends, it's that loss of control, right? Yes, and I believe where I was, uh, I think the important part uh, is that identifying that experience, identifying what we experience in our body, identifying what it triggers for us can help us get a roadmap to where we are and to start better understanding what is our emotional experience and therefore to start thinking about uh, opportunities and ways to deal with that in a more effective or adaptive way for us. Mm, okay. So let me ask you this question, because this is what I've kind of learned in my journey is why, and, and not everybody, but why do some people do everything they can to avoid emotional discomfort, right? They drink, they chase sex, drugs, money, whatever it is, to avoid walking through that discomfort. Why do you think, well, you, you would know, why do people do this? Well, think about it by definition those are emotions that are really not comfortable for us to face. And if we are taught from a very young age, as I mentioned before, to try to avoid things that are not pleasurable for us and try to seek gratification. Um, and we don't really do a good job training our kids to feel and to stay with feelings. Um, very often we try to avoid, ignore, push feelings away, especially the uncomfortable ones, and try to move very, very quick into, oh, let's, oh, you feel better? Good. Let's move into feeling better. Um, and especially we do it with uh, boys. Think about it from a very young age. We think people don't say to some of our boys, don't cry, be a man, be strong, uh, toughen up, especially our athletes. So from a very young age, we stop experiencing our feelings in our body and we start rationalizing them and try to do whatever we can to avoid them. So if you think about situations like this, uh, who wants to feel isolated? Who wants to feel anxiety? Who wants to feel intense fear? Uh, so we try to, we go back and we use some of that uh, uh, coping that we learned and we try to do whatever I can not to feel them. And uh, if you and what also what happens right now with the uh, coronavirus and the social uh, distancing is that it really intensifies and highlights for people some of 
unresolved issues, trauma, triggers from the past. Mm. And you see a lot of families that um, I actually heard that um, a, a divorce attorney is getting more calls than they did before. There is increasing calls because a lot of families are stuck in the same house and it triggers old stuff and um, don't know how to cope and deal with that. And we go pretty quick into let's change it. Part of my slogan during this um, uh, time is to try to stay connected during isolation. I think that's a really important skill for everyone. Um, what do you so mean I by think that? What do you mean by stay connected? Stay connected with friends, with family outside of your circle who you're isolated with? Stay connected with yourself first, mm -hmm. understand yourself, and then stay connected in a creative way with the people around you. Um, you know, um, some point probably we'll talk about certain things we can do, but uh, there's a lot of things that we can do to uh, creative ways. If we're able to get outside the shock and start thinking a little, start thinking a little with opportunity here and start thinking uh, in a more creative way, we can, uh, you know, people do uh, yoga through Zoom. Mm -hmm. People connect with friends. People do, uh, you know, uh, if you think, about faith is very important. So people are streaming now to churches and temples. Uh, and uh, meaning and purpose is also very important too for people to, to use in this time. And um, if we think about finding the purpose and the meaning within social isolation and trying and finding creative way to continue doing the things that are meaning and and, and gives you purpose on a daily basis that's part of the journey that's part of the hope that people uh, uh, I think can start moving maybe start moving around a week ago from shock into a more adaptive and adjustment to where we are today mm. you know as you were talking I was thinking about this you know the universe is is forcing us to look within ourselves and do some work um, not, not that everybody is. Look, some people are still choosing just to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix and other things, and I don't judge. But I, as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, it's interesting that the universe is forcing us, as did my daughter's death, forced me to look inward and do the work. And the universe is really forcing us as, as, as a planet to look within ourselves um, because these are some uncomfortable times, right? We, we live in a society today where we're, we have everything at instant gratification. We feel like we're as more in control of our lives than ever before. And the universe kind of said, yeah, you're not really in control. I am. And, you know, um, I want to ask you that question. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I think it's a good time to ask. So what are you telling your clients that are, you know, and I know you're bound by certain things, so you can only say certain things, but maybe just on a, gen, on a general broad basis, what are you saying to people who are just spiraling out of control from fear and panic? Like, what are some things they can do to just kind of step, step back from that and, and gain back some control? Good question. I think the first thing is, and, and obviously every, every, Every client, every person is different. So we really, first thing is to assess uh, what triggers are going on for people right now. And um, which, which relates again to one of the questions you asked me before. Let's talk about avoidance for a second. Avoidance of, of discomfort. So um, what 
what we try to do when we avoid is not to experience the tightness in our chest, not to experience the fear, the anxiety, the trauma that is not comfortable for us, and to try to avoid it by creating coping that will take it away really quick for us. Mm. It's much more difficult initially to stay with the feelings that you experience. But if we stay with those feelings, we better understand what they are. We better learn how to deal with them, kind of ride those, ride, ride the waves, ride the feelings out. Yeah. Then we actually go through a process that gives us the learning and opportunity to learn about ourselves. And we learn to send a message to ourselves, message of empowerment. And that message is, I can deal with my emotional experience. I can deal with my feelings. I don't have to try to avoid it. I don't have to use drugs. I don't need to be anxious. Because if I know that whatever comes my way, I will have the tools by staying with those feelings and going through a process, just like you went through your process, that will give us answers and meaning. Then we can control what we can control. Mm. which we can't control anyone else. We can't control our thoughts. We can't control our feelings, but we can control what we do with our feelings and with our thoughts. And to do so, it's by learning to stay with the feelings and and figure out how do I want to respond to those feelings? Do I want to avoid it? And then it's going to come hit me later, even more intense. Or am I willing to stay through a process that will give me the answers? Mm. And that's why, for me, emotional, avoiding emotions can be so limiting to people. Because then we send a different message to our brain, which is, I cannot deal with this. I'm afraid of life. I'm afraid of whatever is going to come next. And when I'm afraid, I'm going to avoid it. And when I avoid it, I really limit the opportunities, our choices our success and for a lot of clients that I work with, even obviously before what happened now, learning how to stay and how to work with their feelings to create a balance between our thoughts and our feelings helps them become much more successful in whatever goal they want to achieve in life. Mm. So I think it's always more important to learn, oh, my perspective, it's more effective, adaptive to learn how to create opportunities and how to empower ourselves by staying with our feelings. Yeah. It's, um, I was thinking about this while you were talking is, so what do you, what would you, what advice would you give to somebody who says, you know, I, I'm the leader of my family or I'm the leader of my community or, or a leader in general, but I'm, and I'm trying to stay calm. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. But maybe inside I'm feeling some fear. I'm feeling some loss of control. I'm feeling some panic at times. Where do they go to, you know, let's say a mom or dad is listening to this and, and they don't want their kids to feel scared. And, but yet they themselves inside feel scared. What do you recommend for them? Like, where's their outlet? Who do they talk to? Maybe something that they could do to help with them deal with their feelings as they're leading their family, their friends, their community? Great question, great question. Um, 
First of all, let's talk about it within the concept of leading. So I think one of the one of the things that we want to ask ourselves is what kind of a leader do we want to be? Whether it's leading our family, whether it's leading in organizations, whatever it is. And I don't want to go into some of the I don't want to break down leadership. I think that's a whole different issue. Yeah. But um, first thing is to ask ourselves, what do we want to teach? What do we want to teach the next generation? How do we want to model to our kids? Who, if we think about 10, 20 years from now, when our kids or our employees, whoever it is, look back at us, what do we want them to remember from us? Mm. And I think then by, by doing that, then we can start going backward and saying, okay, for me to achieve this goal, what do I need to do and how do I need to present myself? And more specific things that I, or skills, or like I would call it coping, that I suggest for my client is, first of all, is to slow down and feel. Slow down, be willing to be vulnerable. Take a few deep breaths. I think meditation and breathing is a really important skill, especially when we talk about anxiety. And obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so to start slowing things down so we can stop so we can start seeing things for what they are uh balance is really important i have clients that talk to me about watching the news all day long and that increases their anxiety i usually suggest okay let's balance it out let's talk about how much we want to get the information that we need to get and when it starts getting to a place that we get too anxious how much of it we want to stop and do other things i I suggest to clients right now to to make a list of what are the things that increase your anxiety Mm. put it in one column in general but also especially now during this uh, crisis and make a list of what are the things that decrease or soothe you when you get anxious and then we look at both sides and say i need to do a little less of those things and a little more of the things that i have that are helpful to decrease the anxiety um Exercise. Exercise is very important. Uh, as long as you do it safely and within social distancing, uh, I, I, suggest to, I suggest to my client to find either creative, a creative way to exercise. A lot of people creating their gyms in their house, uh, going for walk, as long as, again, as long as you keep the social distancing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we talked already about finding meaning and purpose. That's very important for us to find meaning and purpose in this, in this time. Um, we talked about isolation, uh, connection during isolation. Mm-hmm. Like connect with friends, connect with your family. People are doing uh, weekly Zooms. Uh, and uh, people can, can, that are performance can still train or can dance mm-hmm. through Zoom and connect with other people. Um, and seek therapy. Most therapists that I know, uh, actually I'm, I think by now all therapies, therapists that I know transition into doing remote, secure, HIPAA compliant uh, teleconferences for therapy. There's a lot of research that have of the effectiveness of, of uh, doing remote therapy and it uh, seems to be really effective. I had really, really good sessions throughout the last three weeks. And uh, this is the time I understand for people that a lot of people are concerned more financially as well. Uh, mm. There's no no way to minimize the financial implication, obviously, of social distancing on us. Yeah. But I also believe that if you want to lead your family and you want to lead yourself, you need to be uh, 
you need to be grounded and you need to be able to understand and to take care of yourself so then we can take care of others. So find a balance as far as finding a therapist that, you, that can be a good fit for you and it can help you uh, see things in an objective way and help you understand your triggers and what holds you back from being for taking care of yourself and your family. Um, another uh, suggestion is to avoid um, catastrophizing. Mm. A lot of, uh, especially in this time, anxiety and time of anxiety, people tend to think more about the future and to catastrophize the worst thing that can happen, which is a big factor in anxiety and panic attacks. So the ability to start create, uh, identifying what is your self-talk, what is your narrative, and to uh, slow down, try to stay in the moment. Really, all we have control is uh, the present and what we're doing right now. And if you find yourself thinking about what's what's the think about the worst case scenario and trying to try to slow down and think about how many things need to happen before that happens? What can you control? What kind of plan? What kind of safety net you can create for yourself, including talking to others and seeking therapy to help you understand and the thought process that uh, is not good coping for you right now. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to take a breath myself. No, I think I talked for a long time, so <laughs> I'm no, going to let you process that. You've given us... Uh, incredible amount of of knowledge and advice and um you know one of the techniques that i've been using during this time is journaling right meditation i lean on meditation i've been journaling a lot about my feelings um you know i i love the advice that you give about what are the things that you do that kind of send you spiraling down this path what are the things that you do that make you feel better more grounded more in control i think that's an amazing um piece of advice and and great tool to use. And then I've been using something called box breathing, which is just breathe into a count of four, hold your breath to a count of four, exhale to a count of four, hold again for a count of four, and just keep going. And I find that when I get a little anxious or a little worked up, I just kind of breathe and it just kind of brings the temperature back to normal, brings everything kind of back. Breath work is so important, isn't it? It really is. And there's a lot of, I like to integrate both breath work and feelings into my work with um, my client, especially with everyone, but especially with um, uh, clients that are not used to doing it. There's a lot of way to meditate, to do breath work, and there's no uh, one way that everyone can do. Uh, you can do the box breathing, you can do progressive muscle relaxation, uh, you can do meditation, you can do guided imagery. And the good thing is that with technology today, there's tons of resources, including YouTube, including uh, apps on your phone that can guide you through different type of different type of breathing and meditation. Um, you know, another thing that I found, Michael, is that um, something that I know, uh, listening to um, one of your podcasts is the morning routine. Mm. Um, uh, I think that that's very, really important for people to find a way to, that can uh, help them start the day in a way that is helpful for them. And what I found that during this crisis, people, not everyone, but a lot of people tend to either eliminate or reduce the type of things and coping that they did before that has been helpful for them. 
So I know some people have not been doing as much meditation. Some people have not been have not been exercising as much. The morning routine gets gets um, either reduced or sometimes eliminated. And this is the time that we need. Some people, um, I got some people that talked about. Um, I'm going to wait it out because I'd rather see you in person. We don't know how long this is going to take. Yeah. Um, it's really really important to take a breath, slow down, open ourselves to go back and do the things that have been helpful for us before. Now it's even a more, it's more crucial and more critical time for us to take care of ourselves in, in whatever coping that has been helpful for people before yeah. this happened. I think that's great advice. I mean, I know for myself, um, you know, I was very dedicated to my morning routine. And when this first happened, of course, it triggered me. It triggered me with what happened with my daughter, my own family. And so I found myself stepping away from my morning routine and not being as regimented. And then I was like, okay, I got to get back to it. Now I will tell you and my listeners that I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. right now. I'm letting myself sleep a little bit more because I've heard from all you know, medical professionals that sleep is one of the things that we can do to keep our immune systems you know, functioning at a high level. So I'm making sure that I get more sleep, but I'm not you know, sleeping in till all hours. I'm getting up between the hours of 6 and 7 a.m. And then I start my morning routine, you know, working out, meditation, journaling, um, you know, reading some scripture. I'm really leaning into my faith. And what I would say is it's amazing because like right now there's such an opportunity. Fender Guitars is offering 90 days of free guitar lessons, right? Mm -hmm. I, I've heard of other companies, you know, free piano lessons like online. Everything's online and there are some great companies stepping up and doing things that people can learn. And, you know, you, you mentioned something that that's, that's alarming to me, which is some people who are just kind of saying, well, I'm just going to wait it out. And that's kind of burying their head in the sand. And I think that really goes back to how we started this conversation, which is emotional discomfort. And, you know, how do we move through it and not avoid it? Because I spent 48 years of my life avoiding emotional discomfort. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes we need, uh, sometimes people, um, uh, we need to experience something very devastating before we are willing to get uncomfortable and vulnerable uh, and to understand that short term it can work, but long, long term it really limits us. Uh, and you made a really good point about um, waiting it out and uh, that's part of the shock initially. And I think I'm, I'm hearing more and more people are going into the next step and accepting reality a little more, willing to go back to do some of, to go back into things that have been helpful for them. Um, so um, yeah, really, really important point that, you know, it's also um, finding resources that you can, that you trust, and you can believe and use those resources, uh, whether it's to, uh, um, whether it's playing guitar, whether it's listening to the news that you believe um, and create effective um, resource that you can use with yourself and with your community around you to create hope, meaning understanding and learn how to be comfortable with the situation that you are right now 
And then one other thing that I use, like when people get out of the shock and are willing to dig and dig more inward, opportunities. Mm. There is opportunity that comes up of every crisis, and we can't see that if we're gonna if we're gonna ignore the triggers, if we're gonna ignore what we're experiencing, if we're gonna ignore our fears, our thought process. The more we're able to connect, the more we open ourselves and broaden our perspective, the more we can find opportunities. America is going to change from what's going on right now. The world is going to change. Some for the better and some for the worse. But it's not going to be all bad and it's not going to be all good. And if we can think about what personal opportunity, what emotional opportunities, what social opportunity and what business opportunity we are willing to look at, it will give more hope. Yeah, and there are going to be opportunities that are going to come out of this. And you probably, you, you, Michael, know as well as anyone else how to find the opportunity in tragedies that happen in our lives. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know my my listeners are probably hearing me tired of hearing me saying this, but I truly believe that there is greatness within every human being on the planet, and you have to be willing to go in and mine it. And it, it takes guts, it takes courage, it takes strength, and it takes getting used to living in the uncomfortable, but you can do it. Um, I want to go back to something, you know, this has been on my mind. So I read a book by a gentleman, and he talked about that our brain is pre-wired negatively. And I, I'm pre-framing my question. He says, and it goes back to what I like to call our lizard brain or our caveman brain, because it protects us from when we stepped out of our cave from getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. And so I'm pre-framing my question by saying that, and I'd love your input on that. And I want to say is, is this the reason why we're so addicted to negative news that where we start watching it and we just want more and more and more, we get addicted to it. Can you, would you mind talking about that a little bit? I'm not an expert in, um, uh, news and media but uh or the uh um negative brain but i think um you know i think an important piece is to understand that in anxiety or feelings as we talked in the beginning are not all bad Correct. there's a level of arousal and a level of anxiety or let's call it arousal that we all need in order to survive and that's part of where the um, uh, fight or flight term came from. Mm. If we're not going to experience, if our brain is not going to send messages to our body to know where to fight and where to flight and rather freeze, we're going to get in trouble many times. Um, so it's mostly, it's, to me, the important piece is to be able to understand our brain and say, what are we doing right now? Because we do know and there's a lot of good work that's done by neuropsychologists, including Dr. Siegel, that does a lot of good work about empathy and, and neurons and empathic neurons. Um, so if we can learn about how to understand our body, understand our brain, and to say to ourselves, 
Now, this something level of news is working for us, but I'm, what is it that I'm getting more addicted to uh, listening to, um, that I get a high from listening to the news, especially? Usually it can be a protective mechanism. It's as far as if it happens to someone else, maybe it's not gonna to happen to me or um, uh, other type of thinking. But the, the, the positive thing that I'd like to focus is that we can, there is more and more research that we can retrain our brain. Mm. And I believe in narrative. I think that the way we think about ourselves and the way we change the narrative, the more empathic and compassion we are to ourselves and to the people around us will also start, also helps to change some of the brain chemistry and some of the neurons, neurons in our brain. And um, so focusing on understanding and changing the way we think about things, being connected with our feelings, and creating a balance between our thoughts, feelings, and the behaviors that we want to be engaged in, I think can be really helpful, especially in times like this. Yeah, you know, it, we're doing this, you know, this is, uh, you can't, you can see me because of how we're recording this, but I had a big smile on my face when you were talking about how you can change your brain, you can change your programming, because that was one of the biggest things that I've learned through my journey is that, you know, I'm not stuck as the person that I was and that I can do the work to change who I am and have a better life and be a better man, father, leader, husband, et cetera. And, um, you know, the term neuroplasticity, I'd never heard of it until I started, you know, down this path. And it just, it lights me up. And I think anybody listening, you should be inspired to know that if you're unhappy with where you are now, you can change. It's, you have the power to do it. Correct. Absolutely. I wouldn't be a psychologist if I didn't think that we can change. I experience helping people uh, that want to change every day. The issue is one, you need to be willing to change. Two, you need to be willing to be open to feedback from yourself, from your body and from the people around you. You need to be vulnerable and understand that change doesn't happen just like this. Yeah. Change is a process that we need to be willing to be engaged in. Uh, a process that will lead us into change that will take us through ups and downs and be willing to stay with the feelings, with the thoughts, with the experiences, with what works, what doesn't work, go through this trial and error and know that we will get, that we will be, by doing so, you will be able to learn about yourself and change the patterns, the thoughts that have not been, that limited us before. And, uh, it's amazing. That's what makes this work so meaningful. That's why I like to wake up every morning and work with clients is this ability to uh, connect with someone else, understand someone else and create the environment for change to happen to help people actualize the performance or help people just um, decrease anxiety, depression, whatever people need. Uh, change is definitely possible, but I'm also not going to sugarcoat it. It's not easy. No, it, no. It takes courage. You gotta go. It takes a lot of courage and you need to go through a process and be willing to be vulnerable in that process. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's no different. Well, it is different, but it's the same principle. If you want to build a body, right? You want to be lean and muscular. It's not easy. 
<clears throat> it takes dedication. It takes commitment. It takes courage. You'll have ups and downs. And if you want to retrain your brain, you want to become a different person, a better person. It takes the same level of commitment. It takes the same level of courage and dedication. Um, and that leads me into my next question, which I think we answered, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is, I love to ask everybody this question is, why do you think some people are successful and others fail when we, they have the same access to the same resources and tools? That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> for somebody like you, it is for sure. <laughs> well, because I think it can, um, first of all, we need to be sensitive um, that not everybody has the same resources. So I'm glad you, you I'm glad you phrased it. Uh, I'm glad you phrased that question as far as uh, if we all have the same resources Correct. and we have to define what resources are, whether it's financial resource, whether it's uh, family uh, closeness and support mm -hmm. and, and diversity and uh, sexuality. I, I don't think that's what you're asking, but I did want to put the caveat out there that um, we don't all have the same resources and that created a big difference as far as uh, people's ability to to move forward and to succeed. Yes. Um, but if we did have the same resources, I think, um, and again, I don't want to take it to the level of the neurons and the brain because that's different resources that we have as well. Um, but I do believe that, as I mentioned before, that the way we think can limit us as well as our ability to stay in process, to be vulnerable, and to allow ourselves to feel and to go through a process that helps us make decisions based on both thoughts and feelings um, does limit people's ability to succeed. And a lot of it comes from past experiences, whether it's past trauma, whether it's the way we were raised, whether it's messages that we received from anyone, including our parents, uh, some of our past experiences, but uh, those can be limiting or we can use them as an opportunity to get mentally, emotionally stronger, but not, not by denying or ignoring our experience, not by trying to deny the reality, but by trying to accept the reality, accept what we have, understand what our strengths, what are the things that we need to work on and go through a process and journey to change it and try to be, um, and try to achieve the goals that people want to achieve in life. Mm, I love that. You know, I, what, there's one question that I've been, that's burning here that I need to ask, and, and you brought it up. You know, some of us are fortunate that we're going through this, we're isolated in our homes with our families. I have some friends that are, that are going through this alone. They're in their homes by themselves, in their apartments by themselves. What do you say to somebody who's going through this alone, who's isolated by themselves? How do they, you know, what are some of the things, and I know you touched on it already, but maybe for that person that's going through it alone, I'm sure it's, it's got to be amplified by 10 times. Um, what advice do you give to them? It is much more difficult, Michael. I mean, I think uh, even the fact that you and I are able to sit here and talk, uh, uh, use technology, use Zoom, and talk about all the things that we're talking about uh, is a privilege. Mm. And um, it's uh, much more difficult to be able to uh, 
just to be able to go through this crisis and any other life experiences when you don't have, <clears throat> when you're not connected, when you don't have as much resources. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of controversy right now about the homeless people, which mm. are not as privileged at all. Um, I think what I would go, the thing that I would focus on, even though by, while acknowledging the reality is also that finding a purpose and meaning that can, is important and genuine to you and to try to use that as a hope. Um, I'm sure a lot of the, a lot of your audience uh, know the book, uh, Men's Search for Meaning by uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl, um, that uh, wasn't isolated, but was obviously in a concentration camp. And I think he gives some amazing uh, testimony of the, his experiences and um, part of um, the message, if you can move your hand and find meaning that you can move your hand, that help people survive. So finding whatever meaning and purpose, um, those that are less fortunate to hold on and to find a way to use that to gain hope, strength, take one day at a time, mm and to try to take little steps in the time is probably the best advice I have. Um, there is more, there's professionals and psychologists that are, uh, have um, more expertise and experience as well in working with homeless or people that are less privileged, but to try to stay connected uh, and find a purpose, meaning faith, as you said, will be, uh, would be really important. That's great stuff. So I have a couple more questions for you as we wind this down, but um, you know, um, I just want to thank you before we wind this down for taking the time and giving, giving out just this amazing advice. And, and I think the one thing that really stands out to me for everybody is purpose and meaning through this, which is you got to have a routine, right? You got to have some kind of a routine in the morning get up at this at a certain time, go for a 10 minute walk, of course, while being responsible and practicing social distancing, maybe learn to do some meditation, some journaling, some kind of routine, get up, get dressed, get out of your sweats, whatever. And um, so thank you. Um, I normally ask people at this point is where can my listeners connect with you online? I will make sure that I post all of your contact information in the show notes so that if anybody wants to reach out to you, I do want to ask you this one question before I ask you the last, which is if you, we just talked about resources. So let's say that somebody's struggling right now, Dr. Orn, and they don't have the resources for therapy. What are some of the things they can do? Are there online resources for them? Are there free resources for them that could help them during this difficult time? Yes, there's a lot of online resources. Uh, the American Psychological Association provides some free resources, both to psychologists and to um, uh, um, the, the general population. Uh, CDA, CDC provides really great information. Um, the World Health Organization provides some really good information. Uh, and, those, and those are mostly, I'm giving information that is uh, more sensitive and more reliable. 
uh, that people can uh, go online and check. And um, there's also um, therapists that um, will uh, help people right now with the sliding scale. And um, there's also, um, there, there's, there's a lot of ways to seek therapy um, in different, um, for different problems and for different issues. And with just persistency and looking at some of uh, online resources as well as uh, there is some directory for, for therapists, um, or even, even if you're calling a therapist and the therapist cannot help, most therapists that I know will, will be willing to take the time and ask some questions to see and refer to other therapists that may be a better fit. Um, so there's a, yeah, there's a lot of ways to uh, try to um, get information and resources that can be helpful, especially with today's technology. Thank you. That's great. And I'll, I'll put some of those links in the show notes as well. And so the last question I always like to ask, and I, I just by listening to you speak today, I, I pretty much know the answer, but I want to ask you anyway, which is what is the mark you want to have on the world and or your field that you're in? Wow. There's another <laughs> loaded question, Michael. I get just one. Is that all I get? No, that's fine. You can, whatever, you know, you can, you can leave several marks, whatever that may be, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. You know, first of all, I'm also already grateful for the, um, um, as you talked about having the privilege and the resources to be able to wake up every morning and to help people. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting just as probably more than what I'm able to give others. Uh, if I can help uh, people uh, learn how to be genuine with themselves and create a life that they want for themselves or learn one thing that they can do every day that can help them um, go through their journey or um, learn how to use the journey and the process to, um, I don't want to say just feel better. Sometimes it's okay not to feel as good, but to be able to go through life, feel connected with themselves and others, and uh, learn how to just do the best we can from the situation that we are, that we are dealt with, that will be an honor for me. I love that. I do. And maybe Thank I'll you. add one more thing, Michael, yeah. since you asked the question. Um, the concept of generativity, which is the concept of what do we want to give to the next generation? Um, one of the things we focus on the book with, with fathers is to think about as fathers, what do we want to, our children at the next generation learn from us? What do, how do we want them to be? And for everyone to think about, or everyone that is in this stage of their life to think about, what do I want to model and what do I want to give to the next generation that can help people based on what we know? I would love to see that happening as well. Mm, I love that. That that hits home for me very much so. You know, I, I, I'll wrap this up by saying anybody who's listening, we all have a responsibility during this time to be leaders, leaders of our families, leaders of our friends, step out and reach out a hand to somebody who might be going through this alone, be their support for them. And uh, together we can love each other enough. We will get through this. And uh, I just want to thank you, Dr. Oren, for taking the time today, sharing your expertise, your heart, 
your knowledge with my listeners. Um, we could go on for hours. And uh, I just want to thank you for, for being here today. Michael, thank you very much for hosting this. Thank you for the journey that you're going through. And um, really glad what you said in, to capture and to summarize this. Um, there is a lot of amazing stories that we also hear right now, especially from the front line, people in the front line, whether it's uh, nurses or doctors, or even think about um, just the, the food, the delivery service and the markets, all the people that are uh, waking up every morning, going to work, not social distancing themselves as much. And there's so many amazing stories of people sharing their heart and helping people in this hard time. So uh, like, I really like the strength of how you, the strength-based approach of ending this show um, or this podcast about sharing our hearts, connecting with others and helping get through this crisis. Yeah. Thank you for having me on your, on your podcast, uh, Michael. My pleasure. And I, I, I'll end with this. And I just think that love is what, without being woo-woo, is I think love and, and acting from your heart and reaching out to others is how we get through this. So thank you guys for tuning in. If you enjoyed this, please like it, share it, subscribe to it. And remember, it all starts with a decision. Thank you for joining us on another episode of The Daily Decision. If you like what you hear, please do us a favor. Share it, like it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it. And remember, it all starts with a decision.